When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, that's pretty good. Myself and Esfandiar Barahaney are here to talk all about the Raptors 2-0 since the trade win over the John Morant-led Grizzlies 116-111. to The Raptors win in a game that encapsulated a lot of the highs that are expected of the new players and also like a bunch of stuff that we want to see going forward. There's some hiccups and all that. And also... Now joined by uh, Blake Murphy, who's uh, going to be hopping on at some point in time. Um, one sec. Okay, now he's in. Blake S., I'll, I'll start with you, Blake. How are you doing? Fun game, right? Very fun. Very fun. Uh, yeah, a little clunky down the stretch there, but so much to build on at both ends. Of, already look a little better defensively than, than I would have expected by game two with only one practice in there. And then, yeah, I mean, offensively, 45 minutes of that looked a lot more fun. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense that the late game stuff's probably the the last stuff to come. Really, though, I'm just in here because my plan is actually I'm going to copy S copying you because I want a nickname as good as S Barney. It's, oh, it yeah. doesn't get better than that. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty good not to do like, well, just one quick thing. It got sent to me because somebody asked me, does he steal your stuff? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I sent to the S. I was like, S Barney is pretty funny. But yeah, this, I, is, this is the dirty secret that everyone needs to know is that like none of us consume each other's content. Like if there's overlap, <laughs> stuff, exactly. like none of us, we're all supporting each other publicly. Nobody reads anything. Nobody listens to anything. Uh, it's just it's just accidental when that happens. You ain't if, got if, the time, man. Yeah, yeah if exactly. Blake or S ever know anything, it's because I said it to them directly. They they will never read any, unless Blake reads it to hate on it or something. But exactly. Blake, uh, <laughs> final thoughts before I let you get out of here, if you're popping off. Yeah, I mean, re- really, that's it. I mean, I, I thought it was great that quickly kind of shot through it. Obviously, we see the effects really early of that pull-up three skill and just how that, especially in those bench units, um, what that can do to a defense. And I thought there was a there's a stretch of play. I can't remember if it was late third or early fourth, but him and Scotty set each other up for a three like on consecutive possessions, then ran a pick and roll where Scotty kind of did the delayed shuffle back pop and then was able to attack against an advantage for, for free throws. I want to see more of that. I'm so excited to see what that pairing grows into over the next 50. Uh, not because there's a lot of stuff that went on in this game, but since I have you here, Jonte Porter, the defense I thought looked awesome and that's your guy. So kind of like go off on that for a little bit. Yeah. So I have a, I actually have a big feature on him coming at Sportsnet on Friday. So the timing here, I was trying to time it around like when I thought he might get minutes. I obviously held it back one game, uh, one game too late, but, but he's cool. I think, you know, defensively jaw and Jaron is, is a tough matchup for a guy who is not you know, he's not east to west kind of mobile as a big. He's a little more stationary. You're going to want him in drop coverage a little bit more. The 905 will even sometimes against certain opposing bigs or opposing guards have Mogay 
guard the pick and roll and station Jonte in a weak corner, kind of what the Raptors tried to do down the stretch there with Jakob Pertl off of Jaron so that Scotty could be in that action. Similar kind mm-hmm. of thinking. So I thought for that matchup, for his first seven minutes to come against, he, he showed some good stuff. And then, I mean, he didn't hit his shots, but you see right away that, you know, physically he's a good screen setter and having that little bit of passing if he's the the ninth or tenth guy in this rotation, I think he could certainly like run with that role if he gets a little chance here. A few things happened. The newest Raptors, RJ quickly, Jante looked really good. Um, the connective defense stuff, like they looked better than the old Raptors for moments in time. Pascal is sliding into kind of like an assassin wing scorer role. Quickly gives you 26 and does so in the blink of an eye, hardly taking up like some possessions he took dribbles, especially late, but does it on like low calorie stuff. Scotty gives you 20 and eight, um, only two rebounds, but Yawk was pretty big and there's a lot of guys coming in. It's role definition seems to be something that's emerging. It seems to be in clarity. Yeah. Clarity. What do you think about that? S? Yeah, no, I that's a great point because it just feels like there's uh, an understanding amongst the players where things are going to flow, both offensively and defensively. I, I thought the the fact that Jonte got minutes showed you that there was probably a need for that sort of big man in that rotation at some point, which is why I'm curious to see if he'll end up getting even more minutes because he was good in his stint tonight. Um, and ultimately, I just I really enjoy the fact that this team can go through different looks in a game now. And those looks look very different. The three guard lineup that they can throw out there, they can go a little bit bigger. You have RJ who can be this sort of secondary creator for you in these second units. And it gives you just a lot of juice offensively. And I think you saw that throughout this game. Yes, there were droughts. And I think part of that is just figuring out the kinks of this, but it looked really, really good overall. It's uh, they had nine different lineup configurations that came out as a positive in this game, which is a really good identifier because it, it was meaningful, of course, that the starters won their minutes. That's something that the Raptors have been trying to get on top of uh, mm-hmm. over however many different games. The Chris Boucher minutes won a bunch. But to be able to, of course, you want a lineup that dominates its minutes, high volume, all that kind of stuff. But to be able to do it piecemeal throughout the game, I think was really impressive and speaks to how. This Raptors team prior to this, the construction of it was a little bit awkward where they needed extra creation. They might not have had it. And when they had creation, they had a little bit too much of the same type. And you see a couple guys like RJ Barrett, who his extra creation is extremely welcome on this team. And Emmanuel quickly is a new type of creation that didn't exist prior to that. And Dennis Schroeder paring down his game a little bit and then pairing it up, depending on what type of lineup he's in. He was awesome tonight. And I think he's been really good kind of managing the different roles the past however many games. But um, Blake, before we let you go, the one last thing, uh, what, what have you thought about like the overall balance? Yeah, I, th- I think it's nice. I mean, it's it's almost whiplash to go from so few ball handlers to having it feels like almost one extra maybe sure. at this point. And like you're going to run Dennis quickly stuff where you never really thought much about Dennis Malachi lineups like they played it a couple minutes, but like it just wasn't good enough offensively to justify it. Um, so I, I think it's nice. I think, I think it balances. I mean, we talked about it for a long time, you know, what Dennis moving to the bench, even before the trade might do to just make the rotation all make a little bit more sense. And he's been really, really good. I thought the last couple games, so that's great. He has this nice, uh, knack for the day before he comes on the Raptor show with us. He has good games. So that, that's, <laughs> that's good for tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's good. I think probably my biggest question right now 
is, you know, how Gary finds his fit. Um, obviously, the minutes are, are there. He's going to play a little bit more nominally at, at the three. Um, you know, he he looked a little out of sorts offensively the last two games. I thought he was okay defensively, but um, yeah, a little. Here comes a very high cap, by the way. Hey, Brody. Uh, he is, he's what on up? some uh, some pain meds. He went Samson mode uh, this morning. <laughs> nice. Had a, had a little seizure. So. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that's mostly it. There are a couple guys who are going to have to find their spots. You know, RJ, what's the right level to pare it down? Gary, where do his shots come? But I think uh, you know, flow wise and balance wise, it, it it's not perfect yet. But it, it all like at least the top seven make a lot more sense together now than than they maybe did when those seven were just six. Yep. Blake, and, can I can I ask you a question real quick? For those IQ uh, interviews you guys do. He's always on the go. Do you think he times it for when he's on the bus or in the car or wherever? Like it's. Well, I'll give a little spoiler for tomorrow. We'll get him on the bus to the airport tomorrow morning. So nice. Um, we'll see. Tomorrow will be an interesting one because I, I I plan to ask him a little bit about his comments from the weekend and, and you know clarify what what his intention there, what he meant a little bit was. But obviously, a lot of very fun stuff to talk about too with yeah. with the trade and a couple wins. But yeah, it's it's been kind of like we've got him on the team bus uh like after a practice we've got him at an airport starbucks we've got him at (laughs) home we've got him we've got him pretty much everywhere and tomorrow's the team bus again so we'll we'll see how that one goes uh you gotta ask him tomorrow if he's biting my style with the the beanie you know and playing in the beanie well as you were there he went through all of shoot around on new year's day with the beanie above the ears it was just like watching samson hoop yeah exactly (laughs) well blake um tag out whenever you want but all right guys uh, have a good one See ya. Keep up the great work. Oh, yeah. And for anybody who wants uh, more from Blake, Raptor show tomorrow with Dennis. Jonte Porter coming out, I guess, Friday. Right. A piece on him. And then just like Raptor show and Sportsnet.ca. Of course, uh, Sportsnet needs the plug from Raptors Republic, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Better. Okay. We're going to keep it focused on Pascal Siakam and Emmanuel Quickly, I think, mostly. And let's yeah. start with let's start with Quickly. This is sure. this is kind of his game. It was sloppy at the end. No question about it. The Raptors, you could see. Like, rarely do you see that much miscommunication. And rarely do you see that much miscommunication, like, in physical language. Yeah, they were they, talking a lot. They were like, yeah, hey, yeah. come here. Like, get this. Go yeah. there. No, no, come here. Like, mm-hmm. And, like, four players at once was pretty crazy. But yeah. intuitive, quickly, for a lot of the game, you clipped the one. You talked about, like, they go into these sets, you know, they're they're like faking the horn set for quickly to come and basically do his version of like a floppy. And yeah. then he gets top locked. He's like, okay, I'm going to reroute, pivot into, a, you know, a side pick and roll with Jakob. The coverage goes under, bang, triple. Kind of like a wide receiver, you know, like, ah, 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 you know, just. I'm, yeah. I'm currently in the process of watching every single pull up from Emmanuel quickly just to kind of get like the the breadth of what he's able to do with movement and I don't know if I want to like write it before he gets back because I want to ask him about you know his what has impacted his style of movement because but it is it's like a game of tag right you're trying to outskirt and out compete somebody in like this open space and he's so meandering and wheeling as he kind of it's like a maze he's that he sees the way through he knows the space on the court that he wants to get to, and the defender has to try and guess where he's going to go or just follow him extremely aggressively. And I think he did a great job of getting loose in this game. And while, like, 
he wasn't getting downhill a ton in this game. He wasn't creating a ton for others. He still ends up with five assists. He has 26 points. He's yeah. banging triples. It looked easy. It, it looked did. easy. It did look easy. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, you mentioned the 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 tail end struggles. I thought beginning start this game, he also struggled. I think he was like 0-4 to start the game. And I think part of that was maybe they were forcing him to be the on-ball creator a little bit too much. You mentioned like getting downhill, couldn't finish at the basket a couple that times. That at the end of the game too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think second quarter, third quarter, you saw him be this, we're going to send two staggered pin downs for you to come off of and shoot, or we're going to find you in transition for a three-point shot, or, hey, you're going to attack a closeout, right? Moving defense and then settle into a nice floater. There's just, there's so much to his off-ball game that he can get to these numbers. He can get to, to 26, 5, and 5 or whatever on this type of efficiency just by being, like you said, like a meanderer off of the ball, just constantly trying to relocate into space, looking for different angles that he can go. There was this one possession. It was an inbound possession. And the Raptors were trying to get Siakam to cut inside for the basket, just like a routine thing. Most teams do this. This is the first play they run. And yeah, he, IQ notices Jakob. He's like, Jakob, come here. Nice little action to set, set him up for the corner three. He missed it. But like... It's that sort of conversation. I just watched one today where he did the exact same thing with Hartenstein, and he banged it though. Right, like yeah. like the the defense is kind of slow responding to like the ATO. They're like, okay, what's gonna be, and then boom, he's like into the corner. Yeah, that's to me one of the greatest indicators of a really talented shooter with motion is if you can do the grenade DHO, like the dribble handoff into the corner. Yep. There's one place to go when that's your possession. It's into your jumper. And IQ loves fading right on this jumper, mostly on oh, mid-range yeah. jumpers. But yeah. he can also do it from distance as well. And, man, I just – I was really, really impressed with him tonight. Also, um, the on-ball D I didn't think was spectacular. That's never been the big sell in his game. But yeah. the connective defensive stuff I thought was quite good in this game, especially in those transitional lineups where the Raptors, they're really – the, the team is in flux. Like, Jonte Porter is playing minutes, right? Yeah. Chris Boucher, he's he's plus 10. He provides a ton of energy. But Jonte Porter, like, he got into the game before him. This team doesn't know exactly what it's going to be yet. And in those types of lineups, you see guys with those good defensive tendencies, the wheat from the chaff, right? Like, they rise to the top because they will communicate. They will be proactive and they'll put everybody in a better position because of it. And I think that I was really impressed with quickly above all else in kind of mm -hmm. communicating that like a quick X out here, stunting here, understanding where his help is behind him, trying to like blow up plays. And it's easier to do that when jaw isn't on the floor. And that's where a lot of that came from. And it's a lot easier to stunt against guys who are maybe on a bit of a cold shooting streak or something like that. But it was good, man. I thought quickly was like a dream tonight and yeah. not, not like a, not, you know, the, the sh superstar point guard dream, but just like a damn good guard dream. Yeah. Just dynamite offense from a, a like, I don't, it's, it's rude to call, you know, in this world, it's like rude to call someone a secondary player, but in the sense that he filled the void for a lot of different offensive kind of moments in this game uh and when you have a player who can answer those type of moments whether it is the shot making whether it is the secondary creation and then on the other side being a stout team defender i think that's like 
that's a very important role to fill on a team that is so deprived offensively and so needing of exactly the type of stuff that he can bring in terms of pull-up shooting and, you know, create what secondary, just like, Hey, being able to attack a yep. closeout and get to the rim if you want, or settle into his nice floater if he wants to. That type of stuff is so important for this team. He's had in his career a little more trouble as the primary action guy. Teams are more in tune. The help defense is better set up. They haven't been shifted or moved in the shot clock yet. It's a little tougher. Teams are a little bit more engaged. Second side, he's been killing for years. Mm -hmm. And we saw a ton of that tonight. A funny thing, he has the respect as well. When was the last time you saw Pascal actually plant a screen for Dennis Schroeder? Oh, he yeah. planted one for IQ. I think it was six <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter. He actually planted it because I was wondering, I was like, is he just trying to like get his way into a mismatch, which isn't bad. Pascal was killing that all night. But I wondered if he was going to plant it. He planted it. He rolled to the short roll. Nothing happened. They played hedge, hedge and recover. IQ didn't make a decision with it. Pascal flashes back middle, takes an ISO, cashes a mid-range jumper. Like, you got to look at what you wanted to. IQ mm -hmm. could have turned the corner if it was there. Pascal planted the screen. Then you go to the mismatch afterwards. It's maybe like, I don't mean to give Pascal too much credit for planting a screen. But just keep <laughs> in mind, the Raptors guards have not been dangerous the past few years. So whether it's Scotty or Pascal, even OG, these guys are not really landing screens because instead of getting the guard downhill, they want to initiate a switch because they know that's more efficient offense for them. They know that's how the Raptors score. Have you... Yeah. I was just going to ask you a question real quick. Have you noticed yeah. that maybe over these first couple of games, they do have IQ one pass away from the post? Like he's the guy. So the strong side doesn't help. They have to bring help from somewhere else. Or is that just me? Something that I like? I I don't know if that's actually the case because IQ, I don't like, I don't want to be down on him too much this game, but I don't think, uh, I don't think he's been really good at like the post entry stuff. Fair. Fair. To be yeah. the guy one pass away, you have to be the guy typically who does post-entry, which is why Dennis a lot of the time is right. the guy one pass away. Um, I would like quickly to, you know, work that into his game as something that he recognizes. Um, I don't want to give Pascal too much credit for setting a screen, but I do want to give him credit for 24 points on 14 shots. He did have zero assists. He didn't have many last game, but I don't think that accurately reflects how many advantages he's creating. Yeah. Just because guys don't hit shots, tough. IQ is taking a lot more of those possessions, pushing the ball that create those like transition assists. Scotty's obviously going to have those as well. Pascal's assists could dip, but if he's going to shoot as efficiently as he has been, um, you're you're going to take that. Obviously, he was so impressive tonight. What were your thoughts on his offensive approach? You said it off the top of him being this sort of just assassin wing, like I'm here to score the ball. And that's yeah. been the case for these first two games. Like he is just carving out advantages every single possession. It's for himself for the most part, but you're right. He's creating advantage. Like they are sending help on all of these post-ups and he's either sk like skimming out of it, like, sh like getting out of it, like just figuring out a way to carve an advantage or he's making that right pass. So he also, he I beats the stunt. You yeah, can't, all the time. You can't make him pick up his dribble, which is for a guy who's 6'9", for a wing or a forward, It typically you can stunt and make a wing or a forward kill their dribble. You really can. His yeah. ability to like take on pressure, protect the ball, and keep a live dribble so that he can initiate his mismatch again once yeah. the guy tries to recover, 
is a really, really impressive. It's one of the like niche aspects of his game, but it's a really important facet of what makes him work. And we saw him do it like beating guys with the first step. We saw him beating guys on mismatches and we saw him, you know, like little hezzy pull over Jaron Jackson, over Santi Aldama, over um, Xavier Tillman as well. Yeah. Like just really, really impressive. Pascal really is, I was just going to say, Pascal is the exact type of guys that the Grizzlies can't defend. Like those type of big wing. A lot of teams can't defend Pascal though. You're right. And you're right. You're right. Yeah, like no, I, I I don't mean that as like a no, I I know, yeah, but yeah. it is it is kind of like uh, it has been a talking point in the past, right? Like yeah, yeah, what happens? You know, there there's like people are like, well, Pascal can't do it in this context, or Pascal can't do it against good teams, or Pascal can't do it against right. good defenders. Yeah, yeah. Like we hear stuff like that, but I don't really I don't know about no, I like don't most players that yeah, most players do perform worse against like higher level defenses or higher level defenders. That's not unique to him. I'm sure like if you look empirically at it, that might be the case and also the case for most players. Um, But also on top of that, like he's performed well against really great defenses this year. He's scored the hell out of the basketball this year. And with the three point shot kind of regressing back to the mean positively, um, he's making scoring the basketball at the NBA level look incredibly easy. He didn't even play 30 minutes tonight. And it's just like teams have a tough time with him, man. And I tweeted about this. It's like, imagine the whole game you gear up for Pascal's bendy finesse, like endless counter style of kind of squirming to the rim and all that kind of stuff. And then like you get cross matched onto Scotty Barnes and you just feel him like, punish you like brutalize you with physicality yeah it's not always going to work out that way but if i were like desmond bain and i got cross matched on like back-to-back possessions against pascal and scotty i would be in a whirlwind i'd feel like i got teleported to like different lands across space i'd be like what the hell is going on here because i got put in the like i got put in the spin cycle in the washing machine (laughs) and then like i got put in the washing machine taken out and hit by like you know a football player anyway that's Man, enough about that, but go, no, go. No, I was I was just gonna say it's funny you say that because like it feels as though Pascal and Scotty always receive attention in the post. Like they are constantly getting guys stunting on them or sending the help, or they're like shadowing them times a million just because of the Raptors spacing. And it constantly creates advantages. You know, I yeah. think towards the start of the year, it was like, hey, they can lean into this post up more often. You're seeing them do that more, but they're do like I think you Maybe it was you who mentioned it like a while back. Maybe it was you who mentioned it a while back. Uh, but, but but they they do this through the pick and roll. They get the switch, and then you know the Pascal or Scotty have a guard on them in the post. That happened against Jaw earlier. That happened against Desmond Bain earlier when it was Scotty and he got the the foul call. Um, there's just so many advantages that they can create out of that, and teams are switching far too easily on those actions. So they're able to carve out advantages, and now they finally have t- uh, they finally have guys who can create off of those advantages. Tilted defense, IQ, making him score. RJ the Barrett defense overhelped way on the other side. Yeah, and so RJ gets like this big empty side possession with Jakob. He keeps his man in jail and walks into like a banked layup. Yep. Oh man, That's it's like. For Beautiful. for RJ, who's been overextended and his decision making, we'll talk about like he had some gaffes tonight for sure. But 
that's like a super easy possession for RJ given his skill set. And that's because Siakam and Barnes just they they warp the floor. They bend it in half when they go into the post. And while Pascal wasn't the guy, like they really didn't go to him late in the game, which I thought was a bit of a shame. But they clearly wanted to, you know, the, the decision was to, from on high from Darko was like, we're working through IQ and Scotty. Oh, the it was four like points. How many they, possessions was it that they ran straight through Scotty and IQ towards the end of the I think, game? I, I think it was four. But yeah. and the one shooter scored on, and the other Scotty got free throws. And right. I was like, at least they scored on it. There's stuff to work on there. But you could do the same thing with Pascal. There's going to be advantages that you can get there, and they have to figure out like. Um, and I did say that earlier for, for the record. And and they also do a really good job of targeting mismatches for early offense by doing the early work, yeah. beating guys up the floor, pinning them and sealing them below the free throw line, establishing position. And those ones you can always just the hit ahead, see what happens, bend the defense immediately. Because yeah. especially late in the game, the Raptors are starting their first action with like 11 or 10 seconds left on the clock. Not good. It's got to be quicker, got to be faster. But the idea of going to the post to really utilize the advantages from that mismatch is not such a bad thing. Not at all. And they can do it with both both Pascal and Scotty. Um, the utilization of Pascal, I think I hated it at the start of the year. It's far different now. Yeah. Far different now. Oh, yeah. And Darko relented on some of that stuff and kind of looked at how the Raptors need to succeed offensively by playing to the team's skill sets, not necessarily to a scheme that he wants or an ideology, but playing to the skill sets on the roster. And the Raptors offense, as bad as their defense has been, the Raptors offense has been really strong lately. And it's largely because they're paying more attention to their wings. Not only now do we get them paying attention to their wings, but we have Emmanuel quickly darting off all that stuff. Jakob Pertl had a whale of a game, even though he shot 28%, his defense was awesome. RJ gives you a bit of extra creation. Dennis was immense coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. We have almost 500 people in here watching live, like the video, so it suggests it to other people live and when it's just being watched tomorrow morning. Please, yes, sir. thank you. It's free. Um, let's talk about Scotty. 7 to 14 from the floor, 2 of 5 from downtown. I'll let you diagram the 1-3 that he and Emmanuel quickly connected oh, on. Yeah. It was yeah. great. He, he has 8 assists, pushing the ball up the floor. 20 points, not a big stocks game because obviously, you know, there weren't a lot of steals in this game. The Grizzlies, they they play pretty clean basketball and Jakob had the five blocks. But yeah, Scotty Barnes, let me know what you think. I just loved his aggressiveness in bully ball. Like this team is, like you said earlier with them, just like barreling down in the paint with the post up. It's different versions of it between Pascal, Scotty, and now RJ. But Scotty's just brute strength, his brute force in hunting out mismatches, trying to attack the paint um it's just like who is this canadia said i love basketball again yes yes you love basketball again they look good ladies and gentlemen it's a fun time um scotty though i thought the the fact that him in the iq two-man game really showed some fruit there were some possessions where they were trying to iron out the kinks we talked about them like vocalizing to to each other pass it to me here or i want the screen here etc um, there were moments where it looked really well. That one possession where IQ attacks the basket, Scotty pops out, and then Scotty drives to the basket, finds IQ for a three. I think that's what Blake was mentioning earlier. That is the type of dynamic you have to face when you're guarding those two guys specifically together. And when 
it, you you see the clear advantage of having a guard like IQ play alongside Scotty, um, and it's making his game look a little bit more, you know, I guess thought out, if you will. But yeah. yeah. We have, a, we have a good um, listener comment from Keir Doyle who says, I think it's really fun and exciting that the Raptors and Darko have gotten both Scotty and P going on mismatch killing, but the assist rate is still really high. The thing is, and this is something I like to do, a bit of a hobby of mine, I count advantage assists. Not the cheap ones, but the assists where you give somebody an advantage to work with. Pascal has always been immensely high. Um, Scotty is also really high in the half court as well. And, and obviously higher than most in transition. He's a wizard there. But part of rewarding the post-up is shooting the three that's available when the team collapses. Yeah. There is the possibility to have really high assist rates while working out of the post. It's different. Like, there's a lot of low post stuff with Jokic. There's a lot of high post extended stuff with Sabonis. But these are valuable hubs. And while they do it differently, so do Scotty and Pascal. A great stat that before the 2022-23 season kicked off, Caitlin Cooper brought onto my podcast was that during the 2021-22 season, the 48-win season, what was the Raptors' most efficient play in the half court? A 48-win season. It was a pass out of the post. And that is because they have Scotty Barnes, they have Pascal Siakam, and you, you can cut it any way you want. You can talk about the limitations of both those guys' games. The biggest thing is those guys are killer when it comes to passing from front court players. There's yeah. just like you can't pick like eight guys better than both of them. It's just they're both at the top of the top. I just want to say that the reason IQ, I'm just going to keep bringing this up towards, I, I just relate it all to Emmanuel quickly, but the reason he actually helps and pairs so well with that is because he's an excellent above the break shooter. So most of these actions are either like free throw line extended or they have them, you know, near, I guess, if you want to call it like deep in the post, right? And from those actions, most of the time you're throwing it to above the break. And a guy like quickly shooting 43% on those shots, that's immense. OG was an elite corner three shooter. He was not a great above the break shooter. And when that dynamic changes, the spacing on the floor changes for you. You're, you're actually allowed to have more space for those post-ups and vice versa. It's like it's this yin, yin and yang type of situation where you're you're just getting easy buckets on both sides. Yeah. The Raptors have been in this tug of war trying to figure out like how to manage their spacing and their creation. How do they make that happen this season? And that's like that's partly why obviously Darko, when he came in, wanted to make sure like we have to work through Jakob's passing because we need to make him a hub of sorts so that he eventually drags some people out and so that we can get a you know a smidgen of spacing from him. That's the motivation. It didn't necessarily work very well. And in fact, like a lot of the the stuff that they ran, like the high post stuff they ran, like the mutton chop series with Emmanuel quickly or the chin series for anybody else, it didn't really um, work that well in this game. But they could go to a lot of other things. And I guess we're going to keep it there. Jakob Pertl, defensively, this was his best awesome. game in some time. He f- North of 30 minutes, he played in all the lineups that he was supposed to. He played in the high leverage minutes. He did his thing. I mean, it was a whale of a first half. The second half had a little bit more trouble. I think Jaron did a much better job of like getting into space, attacking, yeah. cashing threes. 
And I think Jaron also managed the, you know, the space between drivers and Jakob better in the second half. But geez, Jakob, just go nuts. I thought he was awesome tonight. No, Kier Doyle mentioned it. It's two games in a row, right? Two games in a row of Jakob just being really, really awesome on both ends. And uh, you mentioned that he was like 28% from the field tonight, whatever it was. Like he didn't yeah. shoot the ball that well. I actually thought a lot of the shots that he did take were like good, solid looks that he usually sure. is going to knock down. He blew bunnies. He shoots yeah, a lot of bunnies at the rim coming into this game. It's not yeah. going to happen, you know. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah, but there's what there were like a lot of advantages, like the push shot he had a few times. There were a few. There was a really really nice possession where Scotty hit that pocket pass to him, and he had a pretty good look and didn't finish. That's pretty I sick. It was really nice. Yeah, just a nice little hey, you know. I don't know. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, not going to make any more uh, noises, I guess, on a podcast. It's probably going to be audio. But um, yeah, I look, Jakob is, I think, for the most part on the defensive end, the structure maybe of this, these new guys coming in maybe allows him to play his conventional style of defense, if you want, his area of defense. But I do think ultimately some of the blocks that he had tonight were just like going out and getting after it, like just relocating in time, really figuring out the timing on those uh, on those plays. It was pretty good. Good game from Jakob. So Kier Doyle says, Samson, gush about the crazy Dennis pass. So I'll use Dennis oh, yeah. as a, oh, yeah. I'll use yeah. his pass as a segue to get the conversation to RJ. But Dennis attacks a gap. Three guys converge on him. He goes up like he's going for a layup. He turns his body to the basket. His back is to the corner. He wraps it and drops a bounce pass way back crazy. there. RJ finds his way to it, bangs the triple. I was like, that's crazy, dog. Yeah, yeah. That's no. nuts. He's been good, man. He's uh, Just as a side note before we get to RJ, Dennis has been really good. Like the, the, the creation three, off of the bench. Games, yeah. Yeah, creation off the bench, just working in secondary units. Um, I think that just the fact that he can get downhill for you like that, and now you have guys who can sort of take advantage of that. Hey, hey it looks really good when Schroeder is, is, one, creating for others, but doing it and having the room to do so the way he wants to, right? But, yeah, he's been awesome. I have been light on criticism of both Dennis and Darko relative to the fan base this season. Still yeah. giving critiques, obviously, but I thought that a lot of the Raptors' failures were more so because of the construction of the team rather than gaffes being made by coach or by point guard. I think that Dennis was overextended, and I think that there were some decision-making you know, disappointments that he had, and I think yeah. that Darko maybe you know, went to him a little bit too often, but I think Darko, now with a team that has better balance, We'll be able to lean into some things that he wanted to previously. We'll be able to make some calls as a rotation manager that will obviously be better. Like I said, nine positive lineup variations tonight. That's a huge deal. And Dennis, like he gets to create against bench guards more often. He can kind of lead second units. He can usher guys around. Even when like Emmanuel quickly was struggling late, it was still Emmanuel's possession, but Dennis was giving him tips like, Hey, this is what we're running. This yeah. is what we're going to get. Like, that's important. That will be important in this transition phase where, like, quickly played less than Dennis last game. He plays more than Dennis this game. I don't expect Dennis to be, like, 30, 29 minutes every night. But until quickly is fully caught up on everything, I expect, expect Dennis's minutes to be a little bit higher. The hope, probably, is that 
Gary gets a better hold on things, starts playing a little bit better and eats a little bit of Dennis's minutes. And Dennis and Gary are both sitting around 25, 26 or something like that. But I've been really impressed with Dennis lately. RJ Barrett, there is good things happening, like a ton of good things. And then there's all of the, like the Jekyll and Hyde of it all. I thought he played a perfect first half. Oh, absolutely. I think he played a perfect first half. And the second half, he hit the three late. He checked in for defense, and they didn't allow anything. Both, you know, feathers in his cap. But the third quarter, I thought, I was like, what the hell is going on here? This guy is (laughs) ramming into people for charges. He's getting, like, way too adventurous on ball. He's pushing a little bit too early without numbers. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? But the first half, RJ... Bangs that first triple, chose every opportunity in pseudo transition or transition perfectly, cut well off the ball, and like busted his ass on defense. Yeah. And and gets on the glass. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. No, it was. His for it's you're right about the Jekyll and Hyde thing because the the second half of last night, or so sorry, tonight was the same as the second half from Monday yeah. night where he had those moments he had the offensive foul in transition the the yeah well the yeah bounce he, did have, pass. he did have the nice bounce pass tonight you're right but it, it, in the Cavs game right he had that moment in transition quickly on his strong side Scotty on the other side in transition you can pass it to one of them that's a 3 and it ends up a turnover there were a few moments there where he either called his number or just had sort of tunnel vision when it came to trying to attack the ball that is a a pro and a con, like what can be his greatest strength can also be his kryptonite in certain moments. Um, and you saw that because in the first half, getting downhill, I thought he did a great job as like a post presence too, you know, just being a guy who can kind of create out of the post. Little pinch post action. Yeah, yeah, why not? Always going to finish left because that's of course, like always, can't go right, no way, but he will finish left. There was a nice little spin move he had um cutting into the basket off of that Scotty post up there's just a lot uh, yeah the stampede cut in the first the half cut. finish yep, yep. the like that's pretty good and yep. I said this but like in when we we're talking during the game not tweeting but talking was like RJ just made a better pocket pass in like in <laughs> traffic than I've seen from either Pascal or Scotty yeah you know like it's it's he's so strong with his left there's something about lefties they're so strong in their left. They can just like whip the ball anywhere with any type of manipulation. And like that, like skipped my loose swinging bounce pass from his pocket. I was like, that's pretty sick, man. Because it like that hang dribble will occupy the defense as Yaka bursts into the space that he's about to find him with the pass. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a question about says, RJ? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. Phoenix yeah. Play Z says, are you implying RJ is James Harden? Yes. Yes. Naturally. Yes, is. Yeah. Go of ahead. Course. Go ahead. Uh, that pass was kind of like James Harden. But no, the one thing I wanted to ask you is how would you shake off the second half stuff from him? Because that's been the question for his entire career, right? And, and like something I, big I, happened. Something big okay. happened. Right. Yeah. A shot is missed. The ball goes out. It ends up in RJ's hands. He's got it on the wing. That voice is talking to him. <laughs> this voice is drowned out by Pascal clapping and yelling and saying, no, no, oh, no, no, right. no, no. Yeah, I saw that. Me, yeah, yeah. me, 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 me. <laughs> he gets the ball. Pascal hands it off to Emmanuel quickly. We're running the offense. Right, yeah. 
there ha- like maybe RJ on this new team, maybe Pascal shooting like <laughs> RJ has only ever seen Pascal shoot like 70% from the floor as a teammate. When he looks at Pascal, he has to be like, this guy's an assassin. This guy's a killer. I got to get him the ball. It's got to be the same with Scotty too, right? So in, he's not looking at Randall. He's like, okay, you can have the ball. Okay, and then I'm going to send you the clip. It. I'm going to send you the clip, cut this up, and put it over it because <laughs> that's such a perfect description of it. Um, he really was. No, he's like, right. don't you're do right. it. I know what you're thinking. Do not. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Maybe maybe that's enough. Maybe actually, honestly, that is enough for him to shake that side out because you want to you wanna get it to the point where he's making those right decisions and being aggressive, but still being aggressive. Like, you don't want to take away from that area of his game. Like you don't want battering. to have to amp somebody up. You want to be able to reel them back. Really? In. Who it's said like that every again? kid, yeah. every yeah. kid is that since they're like four years old. Yeah. Which yeah. you probably shouldn't be hearing it that early. Like there's a coach. <laughs> thing, hey, hey, I don't want to be, a, you know, like they're trying to get the most out of like a five-year-old who's just sitting there. Like I play sports sometimes <laughs> or whatever, but anyway, that's, I do find it important for there to be hierarchy for players in their own decision making for their own game that's that's part of the step to being a star is not just skill acquisition and skill development but how yeah. do you as the player who has the skills what is your hierarchy of what you're trying to achieve on a possession to possession basis because you have to be you can't just be reactive you have to be proactive to some degree we see yeah. this with scotty scotty as a reactive decision maker is like perfect Rarely do I ever make him see him make the wrong read against a moving defense or in transition as the play unfolds bef- before him. But when it's a set defense and he's not sure exactly what he wants to try and do on a possession, that hurts his offense. He's a third-year player. He's like gathering skills like the hungriest guy ever, like the spirited away. Playing spirit. hungry, hungry and hippos with skills. Yeah. Exactly, hungry, hungry yeah. hippos. So once he collects all of them, then he'll know what he wants to do as he develops. That's kind of like what the Tampa year was for Pascal, right? Pascal was changing from this like bursty wing scorer into a guy who's changing his game into a more methodical approach where he operates not in straight line drives, not as a corner three-point shooter, but as a hub in the middle of the floor who's comfortable with everybody like crowding his space and what type of passing reads come from that. It's progression isn't linear it's all over the place we've seen that with many players and luckily you know scotty and pascal have both been at this point incredible you know uh development paths and development stories to this point but yeah it's it's something to pay attention to is what players want to do hierarchy for the player and the team at large is very important and rj barrett is a guy who can really really benefit from that because you see some of the plays he made in this game, uh, he's not OG Ananobi, and certainly not, but he, and he won't be, but yeah, yeah. he made some plays that OG couldn't. Yeah. And those types of plays from your third or fourth guy did, from a creation standpoint, overwhelm the Grizzlies defense. And it yeah. was because he has a few more of those skills. Okay, since you brought that up, yes, th- the defense is going to see a clear change with OG gone. There's just... There's no one there. I, I Even to start this game, it was like, all right, who's going to be guarding Jaw? Who's going to be guarding Desmond Bain? It's like, I, I don't know if these are the matchups we necessarily want. They they still worked out through their kinks, but for the most part, you're left wondering who is going to be the main assignment on the other star player, the opposing star player. That's a drawback of not having a player like OG Ananobi. 
the pro, I guess, if you would, for a guy like RJ Barrett, secondary creation. He was awesome as a guy who was attacking second units. So everybody here in the comments is mentioning the transition game. He is exceptional as a transition scorer. And this team with him and quickly now looks even better as a transition offense than they were beforehand. So they're doubling down on something they were just, they were already exceptional in. Um, I feel, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go ahead and be like, oh, this person is better than this because they bring completely, two completely different things. But when you have maybe what this Raptors team needed was something like an RJ and quickly more than it needed the defense of OG, but that will be, that will be left to be determined in the years and months and whatever that's coming. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough to replace OG. I'm not saying that, but maybe this current iteration required the offensive juice of those two guys more than it needed the, um, I guess the defensive creation, I guess, of OG. These, these are the questions, right? And that's, that's why obviously you and I, and Trey hopped on the podcast immediately after the trade happened. And we talked about it and felt like it was a win immediately. Yeah. Because it, it made sense for the roster. It seemed like they were going to be able to elevate and accentuate existing skills and elevate and accentuate incoming skills. As far as like a, a roster management or a contextual point of view, that's a huge win. They also got younger, you know? Yeah. They yeah. also probably... Well, I, I don't know exactly what happens with RJ and Emmanuel going into the future, but I think they probably view it as like more tenable for what decisions they want to make in the summer. And it, and they get a chance to be like flexible looking at, I don't know what happens with Pascal at the trade deadline. I, yeah. If I did know something, I would tell the fine people, the listeners or whatever. But the truth is like they've been trying to trade Pascal for a long time. There's been like, a few different stops along the way over the past few years where they've tried mm -hmm. and some of that got reported some of that didn't but they've been trying and they get one last look at like okay we're <laughs> seeing skill sets mesh we're gonna see like what we view as the new ceiling of the team more data to look yeah. through who knows what happens with it but they get a look at some of the guys and we'll see how it goes going forward but you have a new team you're two and oh with it You've beaten the Cavs, who didn't have Garland or uh, or Mobley, to be fair. You beat the Grizzlies, who now have Jaw, and were 5-2 and two with Jaw prior to this. Yeah, they've been good. You beat, you beat two teams that are, you know, as far as I'm concerned, these are good wins, both of them. They lost against Detroit. It was like, Jesus, man, I can't believe this happened. <laughs> Only but, up from here, baby. That's all it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Phoenix plays E says, let's be realistic. Pascal is gone. LOL. I didn't think OG would be gone, man. Same. I, I same. thought now, of course, that means that same, same. the OG, that, that of course means that the OG stuff, his conversations with the team that no one would really be privy to as far as like his intentions for the off season, mm -hmm. they obviously went one way, but nobody really could have known that my expectation or what i've what i understand is that pascal and the raptors have been quite far away not just like on a number but just on like intentionality for a little bit of time who knows if they bridge that gap between now and the summer who knows whatever happens between now and the trade deadline but it's very hard to predict like uh there's a reason i'm in the business of talking about games that have happened and <laughs> things that have happened because i like um 
diagnosing what happened rather than predicting what will because i just the the information deficit between the Masai and Bobby, the guys who make the decisions, and what I'm operating with, you know, hearing little whispers and getting like a little source, nothing, man. I know nothing. Yeah. And neither neither do any of the big decision makers. Like Woj, he can't predict anything until it happens. Then he gets the call, sure, but it's tough to say. Three days happen. Three days before the OG trade, Woj literally said the Raptors are still unsure about OG and Siakam. There's and then we get the report, right, that the Raptors have been like, had this trade lined up for weeks. For two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. uh, No, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's hard to, it's hard to sift through all of the noise and the rumors and to also try to delineate and figure out what's real and what isn't and what information is something you want to take as as valid or whatnot but i think whatever the future of this team is it will probably be a little bit more clear in the next four or five weeks by the way just as an aside winning does help winning does cure a s- certain things from pascal quite often last year at practices and post-game press conferences as he glumly said winning <laughs> solves everything you know <laughs> yeah. that's like and we have a comment here that you know i i'm not sure if he's calling us clowns or the comment section but saying that pascal wants to remain on the toronto raptors he has stated that has been the reporting yeah. um his commentary has been like clear um you, there hasn't been a ton of it this season right like he's a guy like most players who says i'm leaving this up to my agents this is an ongoing contract discussion but in the past he's has loved toronto all that kind of stuff but the raptors have to give him that contract for him to take it and if the raptors aren't going to give it he can love toronto and he can still go elsewhere if that is the case i don't know if he gets a max i don't know what happens you know, Minhaz Rahman says Kyrie Irving said he was going to spend his entire career in Boston. <laughs> Things change, don't they ever? I mean, isn't isn't that the truth? But oh man, it's a fun game. No, Couple it really was fun. Awesome games. game. Yeah, awesome game. I I think just in general, the fact that basketball Raptors basketball specifically is fun again. It looks modern again. Just to plug, shout out to Lewis Zatzman who wrote an incredible piece being being like this team is fun for once in you know the last 2 years full of oxford commas so you know there was a lot of emotionality in it he was cooking he was cooking he left the media room like oh i'm in my bag today he messaged me actually <laughs> he messaged me he's like i'm going to write something really good and i was like hell yeah um yeah yeah darko stan says quickly doing the halberton skipping was fun my grandma texted me and I'll read you what she uh, what she said. I'll just pull it up, Grandma. Where to, okay, she says, grandma. "I love Quickly's reaction after he gets a three. Me too. Not only because we're seeing so many of them, because yeah. that's good, because we like that, but also it's fun. He's a fun player. He's like a little Energizer Bunny guard. It's like man, Fred VanVleet for all the things he has become, like a really." quality game manager who gets his guys the ball in the right spot especially with houston like a really heady off-ball defender he's not the same like pop pop like sprinting around the floor oh, no. three-point yeah. shooter that shot like 70 percent from three from the back half of the milwaukee bucks series through the end <laughs> of the finals like he's not really that anymore 
But Emmanuel quickly is like, I'm running through a maze. I know where it ends. You guys don't. And ah. like, yeah. that's fun basketball, man. Oh, yeah. And especially when you have two, like, really great wings to work off of that. And you have, like, these guys who suddenly, you know, when they score in a tertiary, tertiary spot, you seem like they seem even a little bit overqualified for this. Underqualified for under, uh, other things, but overqualified for this. The balance of the roster. Better. It's it's good. I'm happy about it. I'm excited. Just to, just to bring back uh, something. Did you, you print that you out tonight? Yes, I printed it out right now, right before you have, the podcast. You have a printer? Yeah. Yes, with color, baby. Let's go. Wow. Yes, sir. <laughs> I don't have a printer, man. <laughs> you know what? I actually spent the whole day because I was returning a bunch of like uh, label, like just boxes and things like that. I was trying to work the printer, so I had to put put it to use. Um, yeah, no, you mentioned earlier that just in general, this team makes a lot more sense. The roster makes more sense. And role definition, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is something that's really important for a team that is one, trying to develop its players, but also just trying to figure out what those players can do. And when you throw specific roles at them, they can thrive in those roles. So I put uh, that, yeah. Yeah. From Lero, he says, guys, I want your Jante Porter thoughts. Please, I Ooh. love him. You did miss at the start of the podcast, Blake Murphy was on. He did talk about Jante Porter. Just for you, Lero, since you love him, sportsnet.ca, Blake will have a piece on Jante. I imagine with like really insightful quotes from Jante and people around him, just yeah. to keep in mind for your reading. But from my point of view, to repeat what I said earlier in the podcast, I thought that Jante was awesome in a limited role. I thought that he, his ability to identify what the Raptors needed defensively from him, from a motion point of view to play in a pretty loose scheme at this point and keep making like the right decision and keep showing up in the right spot. And also like compete on a couple switches that maybe you didn't think he could compete on. Oh, yeah. All that stuff went pretty well. Um, the offensive stuff, like quick decision maker, obviously there wasn't a ton of pop there this game. He's a G league big. He is that until he proves he's not, he's dealt with like a ton of stuff early on in his career, but, Really good decision making and put himself in the right spots. So yeah, man. Pizza uh, party soon. Pizza party soon, ladies. Peter and Parker, gentlemen. man. Yeah. Pizza time. Pizza time. No, like yes, that. sir. Yes, sir. Uh, no, I I guess the one thing I'll say with Jonte, the the one play that kind of actually did it twice. Uh, switched out onto jaw, contained the jaw drive, contained and contested a jaw layup or shot. Super, super impressive stuff for a guy who's been working on his game in the G League right now and just kind of gets thrown into the rotation out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, I don't even think nobody really expected him to play tonight, but obviously given the fact that Otto Porter Jr. was out tonight, maybe Garrett Temple is still missing that whatever with the ankle injury and whatnot. You, you throw out another guy in there. I hear he's the man. new coach. Yeah, Garrett Temple. The, the new only coach who wears a suit because <laughs> coaches always dress in like athletes oh, yeah. now. Yeah, he does That's, dress incredibly well. I'm not going to lie. Good dresser. He's very, very authoritative figure. Yeah. Very authoritative aesthetic. What Absolutely. I say goes. ND says something I noticed. There's a ton more Raptors fans interaction since the trade. 470 in the live right now is pretty crazy. What do you mean, man? There's 470 people every time I do one of these. What are you talking about? S, when he makes a little video essay, he has like 50K views on Don't every single that. time he does one yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah. For anybody, for anybody who wants you know, a collection of film reporting and quotes after this game tomorrow morning go to steve dangle podcast network sdpn and s will have a video for you yes, just a, a mental note 
And uh, also keep in mind with RaptorsRepublic.com. But also with so many people in here, like the video, of course, another reminder. Do you have any other thoughts before we get out of here on this Raptors? <sighs> any other thoughts? I mean, there's it's just interesting from uh, covering this team perspective. Um, the amount of information we now are able to sort of digest, new information, I should say, just to kind of take it in, see how it looks. And over the next four or five weeks, depending on whatever the hell they decide to do at the trade deadline, you have this roster that somehow feels like a new season all in itself. They played 33 games. We saw the process for that. It didn't work. A trade happened. A new season has begun. A new year has begun for this Raptors team. And whatever, they'll whatever, never lose again. Yeah, they'll they'll never lose again. Exactly. Um, whatever it looks like, you know, six months from now, eight months from now. I just want to tell y'all that it's fun again to watch this team. And that's maybe sometimes that's enough, you know, maybe, maybe that should be enough for some fans to be like, Hey, we get fun basketball. I, I tweeted this out and someone quote tweeted it. I think it was a Mavs fan saying, you know what? I remember how depressing it was to watch the Mavs last year. And I should remember that more often when I'm watching this team this year, because it's tough to watch bad basketball. And when you watch something that's fun, like we have for the last two games, it's more to watch. Sorry, I banged my desk really hard, but yes. There's fervor. You know, you're, you're impassioned. Yes. This is what we've been looking for. The yes. passion, the aggression, <laughs> the intention. That's what we've wanted for this team. And um, the guys who are new, they, uh, they have more pep. Like they may not be better defenders at their peak than some of the guys on the Raptors roster, but they have yeah. pep in their step that the Raptors seem to have been depleted of because of this dreary season to this point. No matter how many times Darko busts through the wall, like the Kool-Aid man saying, we should smile. Life is good. We're all millionaires <laughs> and basketball is fun. Even still, it's kind of tough to, you know, get up for every game when yeah. the other guys are millionaires and they're having more fun than you. You know, it's uh it's kind of tough. Can uh, I and everybody looks a little bit happier now. I was just going to ask you no, quick question. Uh do you think a pizza party is in store Sacramento on Friday just to kind of give a look ahead, I guess. Do you think they get the dub against against the Sacktown Kings? Pizza time. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, okay. hope springs eternal, man. If you're not going to hope for a pizza party, what are we doing a paltry three-game winning streak, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, Nesta says, Chinatown, San Fran, Cali pizza sucks. I had awesome pizza in San Francisco. I believe it was at a place called Uncle Sal's. I was there oh, yeah. when I was like 22. I saw the game between... Washington and Golden State where Golden State had this huge comeback and Bradley Beal punched Draymond Green in the face because Draymond Green kicked him in the nuts. And I also had what? That I forgot about the game. That. Wow. I also had that night after the game, I had Uncle Sal's pizza and Uncle Sal's pizza rocked my world. Um Richard wow. Kelsky says SF has good food. Agreed, man. Um and also kind of a funny thing too, the the video in Oracle because I was seeing it online at the same time. The video in Oracle was only showing Beal punching Draymond. <laughs> it didn't show him kicking him in the nuts. So the, oh, the fan man. base is like, he punched him for nothing. What are they doing? <laughs> and uh, 
you know, it was pretty funny. That's kind of like I the Warriors the broadcast. That's actually kind of like the Warriors broadcast. You know the you know the meme or maybe the picture of the the guy stabbing the other guy, but actually it turns out to be if you zoom out, the other guy is stabbing the other guy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. that's that's sort of how Warriors broadcast sometimes happens with uh, Draymond Green. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's Mike Sal or Mick Sal Qual says. What are your thoughts on Regina Pizza? Okay, we've got some Saskatchewan. Some Saskatchewan. <laughs> okay, right. I've like hardly ever had good pizza in Saskatchewan. Um, <laughs> Saskatchewan, you have to like the same way it is in the UK. The same way it is in like New Zealand. You have to get somebody from not that place bringing mm-hmm. their food to that place. Um, that's kind of what it is. So there is, is there good a- food. Is there like, like a Pizza Hut, Pizza Pizza? Is there like a franchise? I mean, yeah, there's chains. There's chains. Okay. okay. I grew yeah. up on Pizza Hut. After you play a tournament with your pals, you go to Pizza Hut. They got nice the pizza. Buffet. They got the the open salad. Yeah. yeah the buffet, like that whole thing. And then you go and pour your own drink or whatever. Right. Have a little soda pop. Yes. Oh man, that was everything. Also, when I first when I played my first summer at Gonzaga. That was like, I didn't travel a lot as a kid or with my family at all, really. Only once I was an adult, we went to the Golden Corral Buffet. Okay. What, what, crazy, wait, what is, what is Golden Corral? Am I supposed to know what that is? Is that? It's a buffet in America. Dude, okay. it's insane. It was okay. like decadence beyond the pale. It what was kind incredible. of food? What kind, what are we, what are, like? Everything, man. It wow. is classic American, like, obnoxious decadence. It had everything. I felt like it was, you know, I just thought it was incredible. I'd never wow. been exposed to that before. By the way, and the also, way you, like, I was getting to play. No, I was just going to say the way you worded that, you said you had, you spent the summer in Gonzaga. Yes. He was Kevin Pango's teammate for, no, nah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Team, teammate is a uh, uh, fairly, uh, um, th- that's a way to put it. Yeah. Um, John John or John Stockton's kid David Stockton who uh All right. played yeah. in the NBA for about as long as Kevin did but uh he he was the coach of the the team that I was on which was like pretty fun yeah. And uh, but all he did was make fun of me because the Raptors weren't good ever at that point in my life so he would just make fun of me for being a Raptors fan constantly. But he did teach me a lot about the pick and roll. So I'm I'm in the Stockton family the tree Stockton of family pick and roll tree. learners, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, you it and goes, Darren uh, Williams. Yeah, John, David, <laughs> David Samson. Samson. Those are well, very biblical names. Biblical you know? name, yeah. yeah exactly. Abrahamic. God bless. <laughs> I feel like uh, you have any interesting uh, tidbits you'd like to share before we get out of here? <laughs> Not nothing, nothing biblically related. Uh, but I mean, just listen. Pizza is very good. It's one of my favorite foods. Now I know about Golden Corral, which I never knew about. Uh, when I go to the States, I got to try it apparently. So yeah. Is it just a States thing? I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. But, but. I don't know, but I, I grew up in Saskatchewan dog. So I had no access to like anything. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, maybe it could be in the States. Maybe it could be in Canada, but like, I didn't know. Does Saskatchewan have good berries? Cure Doyle just said, can't get Saskatchewan. There is a famous type of berry called the Saskatoon that grows around Saskatoon. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, so Saskatoon cool. berries are good. The pie, the Saskatoon berry pie, is popular in Saskatoon. Hell yeah! But also, Saskatoon calls itself the Paris of the prairies. It calls itself the Bridge City because it has like four bridges. <laughs> we tend to oversell things <laughs> when we're in close proximity to them, which maybe we've done with the Raptors. Who knows? That feels nice. like a good place to end it. 
Um, yeah, thanks to everybody for hopping in. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, make sure to go to SDPN, the YouTube channel, to get all of S's work. And Forbes as well. They wanted somebody rich to write for them, so they hired him. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, what, how long have you been waiting to say that joke? Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, Forbes and SDPN, really great places to get S's work. Maybe something with Canada Basketball with Raptors Republic yeah. in the future. And for myself, just raptorsrepublic.com. Subscribe there if you please. Like this current video, it helps suggest it to other people. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's lots of good stuff coming from myself and others. God bless everybody. Raptors are 2-0 since the trade. Hope springs eternal. All good. Thank you to everybody in the chat for being engaging, insightful, and kind. I know you guys argue sometimes, but, you know, it's nice to peek in on that stuff. It's a bit of entertainment, especially <laughs> these late night games. It's a long West Coast road trip. Oh, we're going to be here of, yeah. at like 1 a.m. on a couple of these games, man. So from myself, from S, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>